Hello Slashies and welcome to Slashed, a horror podcast where we talk about the scares, the screams and the spooky stuff. My name is Grace and my name is Wouter and today we'll be talking about the film His House which is currently on Netflix mm-hmm. um, and we sort of just stumbled upon this one while we were flicking through Netflix because we have been sort of film and serious deprived during this <laughs> lovely little staying at home pandemic <laughs> and then this little gem came across our paths and uh, we yeah, were and both it... very eager to watch it and i'm very glad we did yeah i think when we saw it we were just like okay we're gonna watch it and then also review it yeah <laughs> we, we just knew we knew we hoped that it would be as good as it was and it was so mm-hmm. without further ado let's get into this Uh, Grace, would you please grace us again with a lovely synopsis. Thank you. His House is a 2020 horror film written and directed by Remy Weeks, based on a story by Felicity Evans and Toby Toby Venables. I did not think this was the name that I would struggle with. (laughs) Uh, It stars Shopei Dirizu and Wumi Muzaku as Paul and Rial Majur, a married couple that fled South Sudan to seek asylum in the UK. Tragically, their daughter Nyagek did not survive the boat trip. At the beginning of the film, Paul and Rial are granted probational asylum and will be assigned a new home in Britain. Quickly after moving in, the house reveals itself to be a living nightmare and Paul becomes plagued with visions of the dead. Rial is convinced that it is all the doing of an apeth, a type of a sea witch that haunts the home of thieves. The Apeth has pr- promised Rial to bring back Nyagek if he can have Bo's life in return. During the day, Bo denies the witch's existence and he does everything in his power to assimilate to the British lifestyle. At night, he confront- confronts the Apeth and tears down the walls of the house. The relationship between Bo and Rial grows increasingly hostile. Rial wants to return home, but Bo wants to stay in Britain at all costs. Things come to a head when Rial tries to get away from Bo through the window and injures herself in the process. This sparks a flashback that reveals that she never had a daughter at all. Bo took Nyagek from her mother at a refugee bus in order to get access and to ensure that Rial and he could go to Britain together. While this saved his life and possibly Rial's, it doomed Nyagek's real mother. The experience was so traumatic that Rial internalized the lie and she truly believed that she was the girl's mother. The flashback allows her to come to terms with what, what really happened. When she wakes up, Ball tells her that, she has, that he has accepted his fate and he will allow the apath to kill him in order to save Nyagek. In the end, Rial refuses to let him go through with it and she kills the witch, saving Ball and their mutual chance of happiness. The film ends with Ball and Rial accepting the house as their new home and the ghosts that come with it. Yes, thank you very much. Do you want a sip of water or are you good? Yeah, I'll get us some water. There you go. Oh, thanks so much. I've always got water handy. Please hydrate yourself. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, his house. Where to start? Um, let's just start off with the name. So, um, the name is immediately interesting because it's it's his house. It's not their house. It's not our house. No. And I think that feeling is is shared throughout the film it's the the main struggle between the couple or at least how that struggle is presented which is that Rial never feels at home in Britain through her eyes it's this very hostile unwelcome environment and she 
dreams of being back home with her daughter. And meanwhile, Bor is still so very haunted by the trauma of the war that he can't even allow himself to think of another home. This has to be it. it. They, they cannot go back. And, and I think it's also partially uh, about the, um, the responsibility that a man feels for keeping the house. Yeah, providing uh, yeah. for his family, which in this case is real. And you think was the daughter until you find mm. out it isn't the daughter. And this comes into play quite literally at some point where um, this is near the end game of the mm. film where Ball goes to his uh, social worker, I guess we'll call him, played by Matt Smith. Yeah. Um, and he pleads him, we need another house. Mm. Doesn't matter where, if any house will do. And it really shows that going back isn't necessarily an option for him, as you said, but he still feels the need to mm. provide a new house for uh, him and Rial. Yeah, it's something that the director, uh, Remy Week, said as well in, in an interview that he, he really wanted to touch upon that a specific experience that men have where it is this, you feel the burden of the house on your shoulders. And I think it's also, he talks about a very specific kind of um, survivor's guilt, I suppose. Yes. And, and that is guilt is at the core of this story where Paul feels this, this guilt that he took um, Nyagek's mother's place and, and in a way took Nyagek's place by ensuring that he was on the bus, ensuring that he was on a boat, making sure that he and Riel were fine, that they would survive. That was his main goal. And I do think that there's this idea that men perhaps are less deserving of being saved it's this idea of you know uh, women and children and first and i i do know in the netherlands as well where we i i don't want to call it a refugee crisis but that's at least what the um, papers call it where there was a lot of uh, suspicion um, against uh, men who would seek asylum alone yeah almost as if it, it why would a man need asylum don't you Shouldn't you be back home fighting mm. or whatever? Yeah, the term freeloader was thrown around a bunch it was in really, media. It was really awful. Yeah. Yeah, it is still awful. It is still ongoing. So I think it was a really good choice to uh, focus on that masculine experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that guilt is sort of pursued throughout the film because once uh, Bolt and Rial have made it, he needs to make good use of the time he has bought himself, you know? Because he's, like, in his mind, he's living on borrowed time. Because mm-hmm. really, he should have been dead. He should have been left behind. And then that pain of not being able to provide for your wife or for the ones you love becomes even more poignant because... Sorry. Because he, the life he took from Nyagek and her mother then basically becomes a waste. Mm-hmm. Because he's not making good use of it in his mind. Because he's not even living it to the fullest because he lives in crappy conditions. He can't improve his conditions. Mm. But he also can't do anything about the fact that they're there. Because that's the whole reason that they're there is because they made it in the first place. And and the only thing he can do is is try to focus on, okay, this is our home. This is our house. We have to make it look nice. We have to live the way... respected people live in this country so we have to sit eat at a table and we have to use cutlery 
uh, we have to dress the way the British advertise advertisements tell us. Yeah. We have to live up to that standard. And, and yeah, I think it's really heartbreaking to see how he pushes and pushes himself in this direction to live up to this perceived ideal and to justify for himself that he has taken this spot. Yeah, and um, uh, the clothes now that you mentioned that, because I found that scene specific, uh, especially poignant, especially looking back on it. The scene basically is he feels the need to fit in and they still, especially real, wears semi-traditional clothing mm -hmm. or at least clothing that she came yeah, in. Yeah, the, the fashion from there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, Ball wants to fit in more, so he goes to a clothing store. It I, I would say it's a it's a pennies or a Primark. Yeah, that's, I don't say so, but it it it, I, it, it I, has the vibe. It has to be that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's let's say it's a pennies. Um, and the second he walks in, uh, the security guard is leering at him the whole yeah. time. Like he's just on his phone drinking a coffee, and as soon as he, the only person of color in the store, walks in, he is just leering at him in the background. Mm -hmm. And that is so painful to watch because. This is, in that moment, a man who is trying his absolute hardest to fit in. Mm -hmm. And for a moment, he steps into the scene, he's racially profiled. Yeah. And then he looks, and he is flicking through some clothes, and then he's looking around. And then, as you said, he sees an advertisement on the wall, and he just buys the exact mm. clothes that the perfect British family on that wall are wearing. So then he comes back wearing the exact grey polo shirt and trousers that the man is wearing. And he brought uh, Spencer, I think. No, not Spencer, a sweater for... Uh, real that the wife was wearing mm. in the picture and it's so saddening because it's so dull and grey and it just mm. takes all the colour out of their out of their characters and out of their sort of emotion yeah. and yeah that was just so hard to that was maybe even and that's that, that tone is sort of set from the get go of the film and that just made it all the more tense mm -hmm. like you just see them in uh, an asylum seeking seekers centre uh, just cradling each other and you're just the way they are treated and looked at by the workers mm -hmm. they're, like they're not even like they're second class citizens but m m like they're children almost yeah especially when, when they're being screened for uh, relocation please say yes if you understand yeah even though it's clearly established that they speak English perfectly well mm -hmm. dude used to work at a bank and I can assume that Rial also had a perfectly respectable job yeah, um, which doesn't mean that you need to speak English to have a perfectly respectable no. job, but like they 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 are proficient. Like there's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, they're clearly proficient, educated. Just yeah, and it's that idea that they aren't allowed to even ask questions, or or at some point, Bo wants to basically thank them and tell them we're good people and we'll we'll do good by this decision, and it's just cut off, and it's like oh, we don't care. Just say yes if you understand the question, and that's it. Yeah. And I think that's that vibe. I mean, obviously we're coming into this with this outsider perspective, and, and you try to follow uh, what the situation is that the refugees, the people that are seeking asylum, live in. And, and um, it feels very sheltered of me to say that I was so shocked seeing it on the screen and... and the real horror was almost the way that what well, is the way that they are treated in Britain um, but it, it was so effectively done and, and I'm just going to admit that I was really shocked by it yeah same me too and um, 
What I do really like about that scene, where they're being screened, uh, which also cuts back to the guilt that uh, Ball feels. Mm. They, he says, we are good people. Yeah. And then the guy says, the guy who screened him says, uh, oh, I'm not the one you need to convince. Yeah. And he's talking about the higher-ups, but also, of course, he, the film is talking about they need to convince themselves that mm. they're good people. Um, yeah. Everything in the system is telling them that they're not, that they're not wanted, that they're not going to fit in. And that just, yeah, that, what you said, it just is mm-hmm. so shocking to watch. And that's the brilliance of this film, I feel, is that that is, the sh- that is shocking. But then the rest of the film, which is just a, well, not just a, mm-hmm. but, but a very well-crafted, very tense, very disturbing mm-hmm. haunted house story. And they coexists so beautifully yeah it works it works so nothing the one doesn't overshadow the other because Mm. there's just no breathing room for these people yeah it's just both in there and it's both just it feeds a perfect circle it feeds into each other exactly and this is one of those films we've talked about this a lot that works so nicely both on a ritual level and on a metaphorical level yeah yeah because you can take this as the witch is real the ghosts are real Mm. the whole struggle at the end is real where the um, bull sacrifices tries to sacrifice mm-hmm. himself to the apeth and real saves him and then the spirits have been appeased mm-hmm. and then they live in peace with the spirits of those they have lost along the way yeah or you can see it as them struggling with this survivor's guilt coming to terms with it and then living with the past holding on to the past yeah. as sort of a safe haven for them in this uh, not hostile yeah okay hostile and unfamiliar environment yeah. and from the ash of the past building a new home and i think it's such a beautiful ending that it's not them letting go of they let go of the guilt but they don't let go of the of the memories of the people yeah and it's actually that boy even says it that I think almost literally, like, I was able to let go of those feelings as soon as I let the ghosts in. Yeah. And I think that was just really beautifully done. And just to circle back to the Britain as this hostile environment thing. What I really liked is that there are clearly these systems that are trying to help them. So you have the caseworker who is, in a way, trying to help them in this home. And and at some point... A ball is um, walking past a church and uh, a guy yells at him, are you one of those refugees? I've got something for you. But it all, even that guy sounds so incredibly aggressive that he thought he was going to be like, I've got something for you. It's my fist. And it was just like a, a kind of a care package. So even the systems that are there to help them all shot in very... Clunky. Well, not clunky just nothing is warm nothing is warm about the way they are being treated and it's reflected in the light as well and the colors they use everything outside of the house is very bright very cold bright colors Mm -hmm. lots of white light Mm -hmm. i found it i found it especially just hard to physically watch when uh, Bolt is walking through the supermarket, mm-hmm. where he's just bombarded with all these bright colored signs of mm-hmm. discounts and these mm-hmm. bright white overhead lights. And it must be such a mm-hmm. jarring experience for the character to just walk mm-hmm. there and sort of just walk in this pristine world and pretend mm-hmm. everything is fine. Yeah. That is, that, that is sort of the, the burden that is forced onto them. Like, we are giving you this and you have to live here and pretend that you're fine. Yeah. Because you'll be screened weekly. 
mm-hmm. and uh, hand in reports. And if they come up short, it will kick you out. And so like Riel says, you basically get the scraps and you have to say mm-hmm. please and thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've, there's so much to talk about and we haven't even really got into the supernatural element. No. Because at the core, this is a haunted house film. Yes. And I'm so glad we finally got to do one. I don't feel like we've done a really properly supernatural film, have we? No. Uh, we... Unless you count the lighthouse, but I wouldn't no, say I wouldn't that is. No, I say uh, the lighthouse is a no. No. Uh, no, I agree. That's not a haunted house film necessarily. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, we haven't. No, we haven't done any. Hereditary a little bit. Yeah, but those are just some weird demon cult. It yeah. turns out. So <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> Sorry, still upset about that. Um. I'm so glad, I'm so glad we finally got to do one. And it was so scary. Yeah. Because we've been watching a lot of movies that we'll probably review in the future. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I haven't watched anything in a while that just gave me the creeps. And they said, like, I was squeezing your hand. Oh, man. And I, was... I almost never do, right? No. you. Um, it's usually me who goes for your hand. Mm-hmm. And we watched... Um, Sinister this weekend, uh, which we're not going to go into further, but Sinister I thought was really scary. But this just blew that out of the water. I mm-hmm. was so unnerved. Um, but in a, yeah, because I don't even know what it is, because I don't even couldn't even tell you what sets this apart from any other haunted house movie, because it it is has all the building blocks in there. Just a dark, creaky house, uh, footsteps all around, mm-hmm. people humming like voices. You know, it's all fairly cookie cutter stuff i can't put my finger on it why it works so well i i I couldn't say can you i think for me first of all this movie doesn't waste time it's it's really short it's an hour and a half i think and what a lot of um haunted house films do is that they spend an a good hour sometimes even just setting up the ghost yeah so door slam shut you hear footsteps a, a child's laughter (laughs) (laughs) things like that and it just takes for ages and you're like i know this is this is going to be a haunted house film that's why i'm here just bring 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 on the the ghost bring the spookies yeah and this film just goes straight into it like first night that he hears something inside of the wall yeah so i'm really glad that they went there and i think what works so well is the way rial puts it They've mm-hmm. been through so much. How could a ghost scare them? Like, they've seen what men, men can, do. can do. How can ghosts scare them? And it's because it's not creepy ghosts. It, it is creepy ghosts that attack them and do stuff like that and make walls see all these really scary visions. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not scary because they're ghosts. It's scary because they are specifically manifestations of his trauma. Yes. It's it's because they show him the ocean that Niagak drowned in, the ocean that he nearly drowned in. Mm-hmm. That's and what makes it terrifying. Yeah, and the ocean that he, in a way, is still drowning in. Mm-hmm. Because he's just trying to keep his head above the water, but then every night he just, when he's alone with his mm-hmm. thoughts, he just gets pulled down. Yeah. And there's this beautiful, beautiful shot that we thought for a good moment was going to be the end of the film, <laughs> where they are sitting in their kitchen at the table, as he suggested. And then insisted on. <laughs> insisted on, yeah. The shot cuts to just ball because uh, Rial's at the other side of the table. And then it cuts back and Rial's gone. And then you pan out from the... I'm making hand movements that you can't see. Mm-hmm. You pan out 
from the kitchen and it's just the kitchen floating with just a wall and the stove and him at the table floating in the middle of the ocean. Beautiful orange lighting. Yeah, and you just sort of, while you only hear the clinking of the fork on the plate as he's sort of angrily chowing down on the crappy food that they can buy with their 74 pounds a week. Um, And it's just such an awesome visual and just the such a good encapsulation of the helplessness and the just the endless expanse of no uh, mm-hmm. promise of a better future just an endless ocean of and how he just sorrow ignores it yeah how he just literally averts his eyes and tries to focus on this little pied à terre yeah that he's that he's got mm-hmm. and where he is by himself because yeah. real, real isn't there real isn't there mentally yeah, I, I I just want to say, and this this almost never gets mentioned, but the lighting is is it's so superb. I really shout out to the to the uh, director of photography for that. Yeah, so well done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like the scene where he confronts the the apath for the ah, first time. So good. Uh, where he is lit a candle because uh, candles are like a minor thing. It's one of the rules in the house: don't light candles, and then they of course go about lighting candles. And then he lights a candle and waits out the apath. Mm-hmm. And um, then the daylight sort of dims and it's just him and the candlelight and you see his face beautifully uh, lit by just a candle. And then you just see these two beady eyes uh, across from the candlelight and then he starts talking to him. And it just was really reminiscent of that scene in uh, The Witch with mm-hmm. uh, with the devil at the end. Yeah. Where... Um, the the apath is just whispering his darkest thoughts to him and basically talking him into self harming or suicide for by getting over his guilt. Opening his flesh for him. Yeah, opening his flesh for him so he can literally get under his skin. Yeah, I will say that as much as I love that scene, I am not a huge fan of the look of the apath in the end. It reminded me a lot of the Moonlight Man from Gerald's Game, which is a Stephen King film. And I thought it was a little bit done in that way. Like it was so scary, especially when we, like when it was just eyes and darkness, it was so much scarier than when he came out and it was this saggy skeleton flesh man. Yeah. Basically all the ghosts look like zombies in some form or another. another. But they had interesting like kind of mask-like faces and I would have liked that more. Yeah, definitely. Um, It could have been a shadow, in my opinion, it would have been maybe better. Yeah, but the the with the ending they made, they needed something corporeal because otherwise Mm. uh, Rial couldn't slit its throat. Yeah. Um, Also, speaking of zombies, I really liked that scene where uh, I really liked the sort of juxtaposition Mm -hmm. between um, like the first scene where Bol faces all the ghosts at once. Like he walks into the Mm -hmm. bedroom and the bedroom is just crawling with these zombie-like figures who are clearly all the people who Mm -hmm. didn't make it along the way. And they just start swarming him and sort of groping him and touching him Mm -hmm. and like wailing at him. And he is frightened to nearly to death you know he's crying screaming sweating mm-hmm. and it's really grueling to watch and then near the end of the film when uh real jumps out the window and goes into her sort of dream sequence, dream sequence flashback yeah she walks into a room where there's all the women from her village i'm assuming yeah her, um, maybe her 
colleagues because she's in a school maybe they're all teachers um and she is and they are singing a sort of traditional song and uh, it's really peaceful and it's beautifully lit and they are all caressing her embracing her and I just think the sort of the symmetry between those scenes um, really shows how they are both dealing so differently with this trauma. Mm. Like she has found peace in the lie and in the thought that she once had a daughter and they've lost her now, mm. but now they're together here and the, they'll have to move on. Mm. And he has found only anguish in yeah. the guilt that he has killed kill, kill the mother and a child so they could live both are wrong yes both are something that they need to step out of if they want to actually move forward in in real life i think that's really really interesting did the look of niagek's mask remind you of um the little boy from us did it um let me google that real quick uh was it pluto yeah yeah i get what you mean why the mask? Why, why does it look like that? Does that have any significance? I thought it was because he couldn't face her. Oh, it's just because... He yeah. couldn't look at her properly. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's easier to think of her as a monster mm-hmm. than as just a human girl of what, like maybe eight years old? Terrified little girl. Yeah. Like, um, and maybe he's forcing himself to live through her fear as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it just he is forcing her himself into her shoes, and maybe like making himself live through her anguish, and thereby he can sort of let go of his own. Like, if I suffer like she suffered, I will repent. Definitely, because there's a moment in the film where he turns the light off specifically to see her again. Yeah. And of course, on first viewing, you think, oh, it's because he missed his daughter. Mm -hmm. But then once you've seen the ending, you realize indeed what you said, that he... Is already accepting that he must uh, trade his life for hers. Yes, which is just chef's kiss. So well done. So well seated. It's genius. Yeah, I think this is a rare case where the twist is just so good, so meaningful, Fits the film so well, adds so many layers, and it's just so wholly deserved. Yeah, and you could have seen it coming, I guess, um, if you pay real close attention. Mm. But this is a really good twist. Yeah. Mm. At some point, I, I wondered if they were going to go for that. Nyagak was Rial's daughter from an early, like a previous relationship. Right. So she wasn't his daughter technically mm-hmm. but i never saw this coming no and um but the film drops such like obvious hints or like not that obvious but the, it drops some nice hints like uh, like you pointed out when we were watching it after we watched it um mm. fairly early on in the film uh, they both agree that they've been cursed and mm. uh Ball's solution is to burn all their stuff because mm. they have brought the curse with them and they need to start anew yeah uh, and it includes a teddy bear and a doll and whatever. And how it makes so much more sense because it isn't their stuff. It's stuff from the child. Yeah. And he wants to get rid of that memory and hopefully get rid of the witch or the yeah. that um, brought the spirit of the dead girl along. Also, when they're talking about starting their new life there, Ball says, we could start a family. And you see Raoul thinking, how could you say that? We are a family. We were a family. But they weren't. They weren't, no. And I, that stood out to me. It was so weird. And I I figured it was just a really extreme way of him starting over. So that, yeah. that 
takes on a whole different meaning when you know the twist. And that also worked, and that's what makes it a good scene. Mm-hmm, definitely, and makes it a good film as well. I think I could happily watch this a second time and just enjoy it for the great horror flick that it is. And knowing the twist will probably only make it harder to watch because you know what they're working towards. Mm-hmm. And it's just really more sad than scary in the end like it's a really tense and scary film but it's just really tragic i'm so glad it does have a happy ending in that sense that she that we all saves him and they they find they find each other again and they find the the path again to having that new life and uh, saying oh i think i'll paint this room red and this is our home just you you're you're rooting for them so much and it's so so nice that you get to have that happy ending in the end and i think it it, it needed that happy ending mm-hmm, yeah it, it's i think the director said himself he didn't want it to be this completely bleak story there are no happy endings and it'll always end in in pain and death but just to show that there is a way to well not overcome but to live with trauma and to forge a new path yes exactly and I am really happy that the happy ending consists of them living with the ghosts of the past. Yeah. Sort of finding solace in those you've lost, um, but also letting them be part of your life. Yeah. Dead but not gone. So good. So good, yeah. (laughs) I'm doubting whether I should mention this because it stood out to me, but it might be really far-fetched. Because, like, the whole thing is that um, this is sort of not reattached to this, so... um, Ball at some point go, takes a hammer to the walls because he's convinced the witch lives in the walls. So there's a huge gaping mm-hmm. holes in the walls like all throughout the film. And then at the end, they've patched up the walls. Mm-hmm. So they finally find a home now, but they've had to patch up the home with yeah. whiteness. Oh, okay. Is that too far-fetched? I don't think that's what they were going for. No. That is just what plaster looks like. I know, the, the, the plaster of color doesn't exist, but I... I mean, it does look like it's clearly mended. Yes. I think it's more that. I'm thinking that's more what they're going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they were saying assimilation is, is the key. No, I don't think they were saying that, no. Hmm. No, because that would have made it more sad, you know? Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah, mended is a better word. Maybe it's a better take on it because they had to tear down some of the old grief to mm-hmm. put something new there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see in the like decorated room, but I get that that w- that isn't what they wanted to do. No, they wanted to show the hope that they were going to make it their home, and mm-hmm. perhaps it would have been a bit too too sweet if it had been incredibly nice looking. Mm-hmm. Although uh, there's still the threat that they are not going to be able to stay. Stay, yeah. Because they are being reported on at the end. Mm-hmm. Um. But I do really like that uh, Ball says at the end, this is our home. Because mm-hmm. he kept, kept saying, this is my house. This I think is... Rial says it. Does she? Oh, yeah. That's... Which is even better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do think they wanted to show that Matt Smith is going to pull through for them. So. Yeah, because they're not making him out to be a bad guy. He's clearly, mm-hmm. But they're clearly just impatient with them. sort of. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's all being treated like they're doing them a favor like oh we are giving you a house and he keeps saying oh it's it's a palace and it's much bigger than my own home and it's it, there's this undertone like you should be so grateful to receive this because you're not fully deserving of it which of course ties into all the other things we talked about yeah and there's there's this i don't know what the word would be in english but in dutch it's misgunner 
you cannot bring yourself to wish good things on someone. No, you cannot take for granted that other people are happy. Or, I guess, I yeah. guess. Yeah, it's, it has yeah, no that's, translation. That's, that's not a translation we're trying to clarify it even more. But it, yeah. It, yeah, that's a thing that doesn't really translate well. Mm-hmm. Which says something about Dutch culture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, the talking about Dutch culture, the scene where he is... The, the beautiful scene that we talked about where it's just this pan of a bull... Uh, eating in the kitchen and in in an ocean and he's just aggressively mashing his food is dutch vibes yeah that was dutch core yeah (laughs) (laughs) aggressively mashing your food is is dutch culture (laughs) yes while soaking wet (laughs) yeah oh Oh. yes that seems like a perfect note to (laughs) end the goddamn podcast on um yeah and i guess i'm i'm really looking forward to what uh, Remy is uh, Remy Weeks. Weeks is going to do next. We'll keep an eye on him. Yes, and on the actors as well because they both did stellar so jobs. Good. So Especially good. Um, the lady who played Rial, I thought was really uh-huh. good. Wumi. Uh, yeah, Wumi. I think you don't pronounce the N. Yeah. No. So uh, yeah, big shout out to them. Wumi Musaku. Wumi Musaku uh, and. Uh, Shope, Shope, Derizu, just everyone is just great. The whole yeah. thing is just awesome. It's perfect, just yeah, yeah, just perfection. That's all I can say. Yeah. And I think on that note, I've been Walter. I've been Grace, and, and you've, you've been, been slashed. slashed. <laughs>